This is episode 68 of the Get In My Garden podcast. I'm Aaron Moskowitz, and today we learn more about Korean natural farming and making indigenous microorganism solutions from Marco Thomas, an urban gardener and natural farmer based in Virginia. His mission is to share with his community and teach them that it is possible to feed a family low-cost, nutritious food off a small piece of urban land. This interview will be published in two parts, so subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen from and hear the second half later in this week. Today, Marco discusses the first steps to getting started in natural farming and enriching the land with locally harvested microbes. Follow Marco's work on Instagram at Marco underscore is underscore growing to see his amazing garden and projects. Follow this podcast at Get In My Garden. I'm really excited to learn about what you're doing. Pretty excited and I appreciate you um, thinking about me to do the podcast. I like, you know, just spreading a little bit of the knowledge, you know, to the point that I can and hopefully help some people get into natural farming and not using chemicals. Yeah, well, thank you very much. So I started out at the farmer's market. I was very involved in selling plants. And then I met all the different people who are interested in aquaponics here in New Mexico and some of the people who are growing in greenhouses. Uh, we have a pretty awesome program locally for aquaponics. And then I learned about, well, I just started getting interested in mushrooms and mycology. And then little by little, I kept going back and learning about the soil food web because it came up over and over. Okay. So starting with, you know, mycelium running, the book from Paul Stamets, and then from uh, Jeff Lowenfield, his books, and then Elaine Ingham's name just kept coming up over and over. Mm-hmm. So then once I started learning about it, it was just unbelievable. You know, it's so exciting. Yeah, it's really and fascinating, right? Totally, yeah. It's absolutely fascinating. And I do believe that there's no point in being pessimistic. I think I can only feel optimistic about the future in spite of some of the problems. And as far as ecological problems, I think the soil food web and microbes are going to save the day. I agree. Yep. Do you want to tell everybody about how you got started and involved? So my background, um, I majored in uh, forestry management in college. This was, well, I'm 46 now, so this was over 20 years ago. And I've always kind of been into gardening, you know, I've always had a garden. My parents had gardens. So that was always just something I liked doing. Even if I just lived in, you know, in my college dorm room, I always had at least a house plant or two growing. And uh, just as I got older and kind of settled, settled down more, I just took more to, you know, my home garden and, and growing, you know, food for my family and that kind of thing. And um, so I've always had like a a knowledge of soil microbes and, you know, kind of the soil food web before it was necessarily, you know, that was such a uh, popular term. But basically the natural farming part of it came just because I've grown in all different types of, you know, mediums and and ways and including using bottled nutrients as one point and and that kind of thing. But I I really could see that that wasn't healthy for number one or good for the environment, number two. Mm -hmm. So just reading and I kind of um, got, you know, stumbled upon, you know, KNF um, as taught by Cho and, and 
and then, you know, YouTube videos and, and things like that. So it's been about five, four or five years now that I've really been um, fully focused on, you know, my, microbes and growing indigenous microbes and the soil food web. And like, you, and like we were talking earlier, it's just one of those things, once you get into it and really understand it, it really opens your eyes and makes you really wonder why you ever even grew with chemicals in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to wanted to share that with people because I knew that if I was so, you know, excited about it and, and, and it was such a revelation for me that I wanted just others to, to know about it. And really, it, it kind of makes you once you get into it, you kind of get a little upset with, you know, big agriculture and, and, the, and the way they brainwashed us all to think, OK, you have to go buy a bag of fertilizer or chemical to grow your food, you know. And so the, from there, that yeah, that's kind of my how I got into it, and then kind of my motivation is to you know to just show people that chemicals are not necessary. So you're feeding your family. Are you also teaching people about it, like formally? Um, no, I'm not. I'm not formally teaching. Mainly, just I share what I do, you know, on my Instagram. But I'm just now um, getting involved. Like uh, my local farmers market, I just joined the board with them. Mm -hmm. Because there's a big initiative in my city, which is kind of um, a food desert, if you will. It's a little bit lower income. And so I've been getting involved with, you know, trying to educate the community and also using my urban property that I have as kind of a teaching um, garden. This is only the second year it's been established, so I can kind of see that continuing to grow and eventually, you know, have groups here and, and be able to show them kind of firsthand, hands on, you know, how you can grow good food for a relatively low price. That's so cool. And where are you located? I'm in um, Petersburg, Virginia. It's about oh, okay. uh, about 30 minutes south of Richmond, which is the capital. Wow. And so what kind of foods are you growing mainly? So this, with this being the second year, the first year was just me getting the garden established because it, it's an urban, urban property, like I said, and I've got about a third of an acre. Well, no, about a half an acre. Mm -hmm. And so the way I have it set up is I have a back garden and then I have a food section of uh, a food garden, which um, I have some uh, raised beds. So what I'm doing is here I'm growing the ingredients in the back garden to make my natural farming inputs. So instead of um, buying, you know, ginger or buying garlic, or buying sunchoke or angelica or even tobacco stems. I'm growing all of those items here. And then I'm going to, you know, I use those to make my fertilizer to put on the food that I'm also growing here. But mm -hmm. what I'm doing on this property is making like a complete cycle of where everything that's growing the fruit food on this property is coming from, you know, the, the ingredients that I grew. So right now I'm growing the, all those things that I've mentioned. And then I also have uh, strawberries growing, I have tomatoes, I have some beans, I have some potatoes, doing a little bit of watermelon. And, and not a lot of each thing, but just a little bit of each thing, just to kind of, you know, touch each of the, you know, kind of food groups. That's great. And so with the, basically, so you're doing the Korean natural farming method. And so what, how did you start that? As far as, I mean, I think people come to it and I have had some episodes on beginners, I guess, getting started. But 
still, if somebody says, oh my gosh, I want to do that, what what's the first step that they do? Okay, so the first step, the first thing you want to do is you want to just immediately just throw away all your chemical fertilizers. Okay, that, that's that's step one because that's gonna that's gonna automatically get your get your mindset um, focused on. Okay, now we're not doing any more chemicals, and then right after that step is is to collect your indigenous microorganisms. IMO is the kind of the acronym that it's that's used in um, natural farming. Mm-hmm. And IMO1 is collected in rice. So you use kind of partially cooked rice in a wooden box or wicker basket. And you want to go to an area that's not far from your garden and it's growing really big, strong trees. So what you do is you place your ri- rice in this box or basket and then you want to go to the forest, dig down a couple inches till you get down into the, you know, the good part of the soil. And basically, you just want to set this box there and kind of cover it if, you know, if it's to keep rain out and bugs. So you, maybe a porous cloth or um, even plastic sheet over top if, if it's going to rain. And you set that out from anywhere from three to five days, depending on the temperature. And what you'll have in that box after that time period is it looks like fuzzy white and could be red, could be green, could, could be blues, all kinds of different little colors and colonies and and now that is your first collection of imo indigenous microorganisms Aaron, that's, um i got we i'm like i said i'm urban so there's a train coming <laughs> doesn't bother me at all okay all right got you <laughs> so yeah that's the um that's your first step is to collect your imo and then once you have that rice uh box and that collection of microbes you want to add that with equal weight unrefined sugar and what that does is puts the microbes in a dormant state and then that is then called IMO2. <laughs> urban That's cool. Urban farming. <laughs> Okay, How, is that too loud, or you want to just wait and let it pass on by? Oh yeah, I can't hear it anymore. Okay, so yeah, um, so, so that's step one, Aaron. Is um, you know, first, you know, you stop your chemical use and fertilizer use immediately, and then collect your IMO. Okay, so you get your IMO one, then you add the unrefined sugar, and you get your IMO two. And that's the beginning of your what's next for people, because I think that uh, the the idea of it is just new, you know, so for someone who doesn't understand it, they still don't really know what to do. Yeah. So, okay. That's actually when you really, when you're first getting into it, that's a really good place to, to stop for a minute, for a minute is IMO2 because now you've taken that, all those nice indigenous microbes that you collected and now you have them in IMO2, which is shelf stable. All the microbes are dormant. The science behind that is basically when you're adding the sugar, the osmotic pressure of the sugar, the molecules uh, bind with all of the moisture in your in your IMO. So basically, you're taking a molecule of sugar and tying it to a molecule of moisture. And once every molecule of moisture has been tied up, 
the microbes, even though this this material is wet, the microbes have dried up and gone dormant because the sugar has pulled their moisture out of them. Okay, so mm -hmm. now you have a shelf stable product. And to me, the the best thing you can do for your next step is just take that IMO two at a, roughly one teaspoon per gallon, mix it in, and then start watering that into your soil, into your food beds. And then now you'll get that those those microbes from the that you collected, and now you're starting to water those into your soil beds. And what that the the idea behind that is, okay, if these microbes could grow these huge trees in the forest, and no one ever had to fertilize them, you're now you're starting to take that whole concept and put it into your garden. If they can grow these huge trees and why can't it grow, you know, my tomatoes or my peppers or mm -hmm. anything else I have. That makes sense to me. And do you think that your, uh, forestry background had an effect on you becoming super interested in the soil food web and microbes I, because of the way that trees use them? Yeah, I think, and well, I think it goes back farther. It goes back to me being an outdoor nature, nature child that was always, mm -hmm. um, you know, picking up animals and being out in the in the woods and you know playing in the undergrowth of bushes. I think that led to the major in forestry, which was kind of the closest thing to being you know outdoors. And then so, I think the roots are deeper than just where I you know studied in college. I think they go b before that. Gotcha. That's awesome. And so, does the same principle apply? that you know of in desert areas or I guess drier places like New Mexico where I'm located and uh, Nevada or some place like that where it's very dry. I mean, they may not even have trees. Yeah, that's actually a great question. I have a, w w one thing I do is I I collect IMO if I'm traveling for work, if I'm, if I have an opportunity, I will go and collect IMO from different regions around wherever I'm at. Okay. Uh -huh. And another thing I do is I trade IMO two collections with people. So I'll send them some that I have from Virginia and they'll send me some from where they live. Well, I have a friend that lives in a desert part of California, which is kind of the environment that you just referred to where you live. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I kept pushing him. I said, you know, hey, I want you to collect some IMO. And, you know, well, I don't have forests here. I don't have trees. And I said, okay, well, then now you have to change your mindset. Okay, where do you have thick undergrowth? Or, or whatever your closest thing to trees are, and, you know, bushes, shrubs, whatever that may be, where, there, where is there a high density of that? Where there's obviously self-supporting and, you know, the high density of plant material. So... He actually went and I think it was some a stand of kind of mesquite trees and, and you know, those different low shrub areas you got yeah. out there. Yeah. So he actually waited and I told him just the next time you guys get a rain, I want you to set the box out there. So he went out, set, set his box out and I actually had an, an interesting um, looking collection. And it really, I was, you know, he was surprised. I wasn't surprised. I knew there had to be microbes there. Um, mm -hmm. So he got a pretty good collection, and um, so he was able to start collecting via IMO too as well. And one of the cool things about that is we traded some off. And you know, some people say, "Well, what are those desert 
microbes going to do for you, you know, in Virginia? So if you think about it, if I get this collection of microbes and it was just a small jar of it, but there's millions and millions of microbes in there, right? Mm -hmm. So when I take those and I water them into my soil in Virginia, sure, a lot of them won't survive because they're like, hey, this isn't the desert. I, you know, this isn't my deal. But there's always going to be microbes that do survive. And the ones that survive now, I, I have the benefit of having that desert strength and drought resistance. But since they also survived here, they're also, they can take the heat and humidity that we have in Virginia. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's one reason I always encourage people to, you know, trade collections, start with your own as your base, but it's always good to add that diversity in because there's always going to be microbes that survive. That is so cool. Yeah, I was always wondering about that because I've had mixed, I've read mixed things about taking it from, you know, the forest, like if you go way out into the forest. What do you think about that, by the way? People who were to take their first batch right out of the forest someplace, mm. is that prone to parasites or is that totally safe? No, that's totally safe. The re You have to, and remember, we were always you know, coming up, we we're trained to know that, okay, oh, look, look at that green mold. That's bad. Or look at that mold. That's bad. So, you know, we always were taught that all molds and anything growing or growth or, or fungi or, or anything like that was bad. So one of the principles with natural farming is good and bad are the same. And mm -hmm. another part of that is you can never separate microbes into good and bad. So the point being is, don't be afraid of, of uh, thinking that you're going to get a pathogen or things like that, because as long as that forest is healthy, then the things in that soil are, are balanced. You know, there, there's, as you know, there's probably anthrax. There's all kinds of things that if on their own are bad. However, while they're in that soil food web and everything's in balance, that becomes good. Thanks for listening. I hope you get inspired and excited about microbes and the potential of natural farming methods. Check back this week for the second part of my interview with Marco Thomas. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen from and leave positive reviews if you want to support the show.